Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Are you confused by the Enneagram? It is a very intricate system, but at the same time, there's a lot of power in its simplicity, and it really is simple, but you've got to get your true Enneagram type right first. So in today's episode, I'm going to go over the 10 things that you should consider before choosing your true Enneagram type. And yes, I did say choosing because you know what? You have the final say in which type you identify with. Not a friend, not some stranger on social media, not even an Enneagram expert, and especially not an online test. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, parents, and mentors like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jen Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make and have fun doing it. Your personality is your business, so... Let's get down to business. So when it comes to Enneagram fans, I find that there are three camps of people. The first group of people are curious enough to find out what type they are. And they're content with that type, with the type that um, if the test, if they took a test or if they read a book or maybe they asked a person and the person told them what type they are, they're content with that. And these people are interested in 
the categories of the types and really fascinated by what they've learned about themselves and maybe some of the major people in their lives, the relationships in their lives. So I call this typing mode. And this is the what I call part one of unboxing your personality. It's the first half of the game. When, if you've ever gone to a football game, that's when the attendance in the bleachers are really high. Everybody is really excited about the game about to start or is starting. The band's playing. The fans are cheering. It's a really, really exciting time of the game. And so that's part one, which I call typing mode. And there are a lot of Enneagram enthusiasts, uh, who are in this camp. The second group of people are using the knowledge of of what they find out about their Enneagram type to find their place in the world. So not just really understanding themselves or understanding other people, but actually finding more of their purpose and finding their place in the world and how to get along with other people in such a way where everybody feels validated, where you've come together in community, everybody's empowered to bring their gifts to the table, and how that's going to benefit other people in their circle. And I call this growing mode. And then that third group is somewhere in between those two groups. These people are kind of stuck. They're kind of stuck in that typing mode, but their heart or their mind, their thoughts, they're in growing mode. And sometimes the people in this group are aware that they're stuck and sometimes they're not. And so that kind of throws a wrench in things if you're listening to this and going, oh, what group am I in? Which camp am I in? That third group is where so many people are in and that's what today's episode is for. That third group of people. These are the ones that are kind of, to use the the football game analogy, they're coming out of the halftime break wondering how is the second half of the game going to turn out? There's this suspense and there's anxiety and, and a mix of confidence and doubt that's kind of hanging there in the air, not really sure, depending on what team you're on, right? Some fans, they know exactly what team they're cheering on. Some may be wavering between sides, or some might be heading out of the stadium because it's been a brutal game and it's just too hard to watch, and so they leave. And maybe during the typing mode of unboxing your personality, maybe you've kind of felt like this before. Are you the type that is wearing your type on the sleeve? On your sleeve, you've got the face paint on, you got the pom poms going. There is no doubt whose team you're rooting for, right? Or are you wavering because you're not really sure which type you actually are because possibly you identify with all of them or maybe you identify with none of them. How could you possibly choose the right one if you just are that unsure? Or maybe getting to know yourself better through the lens of your type has just been too hard. Or worse, you've actually been doing the work And none of the things that the Enneagram gurus have promised you as far as freedom and happiness, none of that is working despite your loyalty to do the work. Now, there are many reasons why folks get stuck in this in-between mode. I don't, I guess that's what I'm calling it, the in-between mode. Um, and one of the most not so obvious yet obvious reason is maybe you've been mistyped. Now, I may or may not be obnoxiously passionate about mistyping, 
But if I seem a little vigilante about it, it's for a really good reason. Because when I first discovered the Enneagram, when I was in my typing mode, I took several tests online. And each of those tests told me that I was a different type. And this led to many books and blogs and podcasts and coffee conversations with friends and memes. And honestly, sometimes it it made it worse. It made it more confusing and left me even more unsure. But eventually, I did settle on a number. I settled on the type 4. I had a test that told me I was the type 4. There were several people that I followed on Instagram and even some of the memes, just I really resonated with uh, some of the behaviors of the type four. And I even spoke to a few friends who had more Enneagram experience than I did because they use it in their business. And you know what? No one ever corrected me. And that could either be a good thing or a bad thing, but that's for a different episode. I won't get into that right now. But I want to let you know that I was very good at justifying that I was a type four. Very good at it. So good, I thought, I, you know what? I'm so good at this, I should go get certified. So what I did is I joined a five-week program that would make me an Enneagram expert. And on the first day of class, I happily announced I am a type four. And for the first four weeks of the program, I was the type four of the group. I correctly, quote, correctly responded to all of the type four questions because, remember, I was very good at justifying myself as a type four. Now, the week before the last day of classes, I had an epiphany. I was listening to a book, um, and it was about, um, it was about World War II, and I knew here the story about Hiroshima was was coming up, and I was actually anticipating being very emotional and upset, and had the Kleenexes ready to sop up all of my tears, right? And that didn't happen. And I think I've told that full story in a previous episode um, or an interview. But what I, based on what I had learned in the previous month of the program and the coaching that I had received as a part of the program, I realized there is no way I could be a type four. Are you feeling a bit disappointed that you haven't finished that project yet? Are the kids' schedules impacting your business? Or are the demands of your business affecting your relationships at home? Maybe you need a magic formula for that work-life balance before your fire gets so dim or it completely burns out. I've been there. There was a point in my life where I was juggling two businesses and homeschooling and had personal health issues. There was barely time to even connect with myself much less connect with my husband. When I was finally officially diagnosed with ADHD, I felt like that explained everything. I had a new perspective and started approaching things in a new way. So I created a guide containing 20 tips that I personally use, and they have worked for me for helping me stay on course with my goals. 
Now you might not have ADHD, but I bet you can relate to having a million distractions during the day. So if you're ready to stop procrastinating or stop being hard on yourself for missing yet another deadline, self-imposed or not, go ahead and download the guide at powercoachgen.com. If you just find one tip from the list that helps you move forward today, you will be so glad you took the time to read it. Go to powercoachgen.com and download the guide right now. So if that's the case, then what type was I? Because I didn't really resonate with any of the behaviors of all the other types. And after one more week of coaching in the program, it became super clear that I'm a type 7. And this is kind of an embarrassing story because during the time that I was so sure that I was a type 4, I was a type 4 poser, (laughs) I was spreading a lot of misinformation just during coffee chats in my friends or the, the people that were in the group in the program. They were looking at me as the resident type 4 and I'm spreading misinformation. And I don't want anyone else to bear that burden because that's kind of... Like, I wish I could go back and kind of fix that. So this podcast is my way of making up for that. But as a type 7, I get so enthusiastic about new and interesting things that I'm going to talk your ear off about them. I mean, this is why podcasting fits me so well, right? But what I learned is it actually explained, my mistyping, actually explained why I wasn't seeing growth results. Because If you know anything about the Enneagram, type 4s behave like a type 1 in growth. Or Enneagram speak, that's called integration. But type 7s disintegrate to type 1. So, yikes, right? Because as a type 4, that would not be a red flag. That would actually be pat myself on the back right? But for type 7, it's actually a disintegration direction, and it should have been a red flag. And I definitely don't want anyone to make this kind of mistake. I was in that third group, and I didn't know it. I thought I knew my type. I thought I was in growing mode, that I bypassed typing mode, but I wasn't. I was still stuck in typing mode and wasn't even aware of it. So if my obnoxious passion bothers you, I apologize, but it is legit. I I could have saved so much time and frustration, not to mention money on all the books that I've purchased. You should see my bookshelf. But if I had just understood a few basic ground rules about the Enneagram, I could have saved myself all of that frustration. So in today's episode, that's what I'm going to go over for you today. I've kind of compiled them. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard bits and pieces of it. But here it is all in one episode. 10 things you must consider before choosing your true Enneagram type. So number one, tests are only 50 to 60% accurate. This is not the test's fault. But human psychology is the blame here because our brains sometimes have a hard time distinguishing between perception and reality. So sometimes people answer the questions based on how they perceive themselves versus how they actually are. And this isn't usually intentional 
because that discrepancy is one of the ways our brains protect ourselves. And yes, other personality tests, they might be a little bit more accurate as far as determining what your personality, let's say your Myers-Briggs personality. And it's not necessarily because it's a superior test or superior tool, but simply because they're measuring something else. So that for Myers-Briggs, for example, it's measuring behaviors to help you discover your personality profile that is actually determined by behaviors. But your Enneagram type is not determined by your behaviors. It's determined by your motivation. And that takes us to number two. Number two, your type is determined by motivations, not behaviors. This is the number one rule of Enneagram typing that I wish I knew at the very, 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 very beginning. And it's the number one rule that is broken. But again, not consciously. This is another time where you can blame human psychology. Our brains are wired to think in pictures. And once we see something in our mind's eye, it can be really hard to unsee. So the example I like to use is is to, to not think of a pink elephant. Your mind immediately thinks of a pink elephant, right? Even if it's for a split second. Because you have to think of a pink, you have to picture a pink elephant before you can stop thinking about a pink elephant. So when you read a question on a test or a description in a book, you're likely imagining yourself doing the thing. And so, so for example, if the test asks, do you believe it is right to be neat and tidy? Your mind will start picturing all the things that you do that are neat and tidy or not neat and tidy, if that's the case. <laughs> like mine. (laughs) But guess what? That's a behavior. And in our rush to get through an online test, we will answer according to that behavior we just pictured. And sadly, this is how we get mistyped, even though we're trying to answer accurately. Because determining your motivation really takes some digging. And it can't reliably happen in the 20 minutes that it takes us to answer a few questions from a bot, right? So that goes back to number one, tests are not actually accurate. So number three, thing number three, (laughs) you only have one core type during your lifetime. Now this one, I get a lot of pushback because nobody wants to be put in a box and say, What do you mean I'm only one core type? I used to be like that, but I'm not that way anymore. So I explained this a little bit more in Secrets to Enneagram Typing. That is a free mini course that you can go to my website at powercoachgen.com. That'll take you straight to the links page and you can click on Secrets to Enneagram Typing there and read through that for free. But the short and sweet answer is that your core motivations stay the same. Even when your behaviors change because of your experiences or just because we mature. Because when we experience something, an event, our behaviors will adjust. And we can become conditioned to those behaviors. Maybe just because they've been modeled to us. But also because of how our character is developed. And character is a part of our personality. But it's about, it's around our sense of morality. And so you can make good choices or you can make poor choices on how to behave. Your behaviors can change. So you're not actually putting yourself in a box. Because even though those those behaviors change, it will always be to protect your core motivations. And those core motivations are what determine your core type on the Enneagram. Number four, 
ignore archetypal labels. So first, every author, every blogger, every podcaster, every Enneagram fan, they seem to use a different set of labels for each of the types. Have you noticed that? And that alone can create confusion because you're already having to learn a new language, right, of, of an associating motivations and common behaviors for each of the types. Now we have to remember all of these different labels of how this person describes them and how this blogger describes them and how this podcaster describes them. So just ignore those labels. And also, secondly, labels can be really loaded. And even when you know better, subconsciously, you can have a really hard time not thinking about your preconceived notions because they're just ingrained, mainly because we don't know any better. Um, Like, for example, if I tell... If I tell you to imagine a dog, each of you are going to imagine your own idea of what a dog looks like. If I say, just picture one dog, okay? Maybe it's a dog that you used to have, or a dog that you want to have, or is the dog that you, that's sitting right in front of you if you have several dogs, or maybe it's a cat because you're not a dog person. So everybody has a different idea of what a dog looks like. And another example, if I told you my dad is a doctor, you might have an opinion on what he might be like because of your experience with the label doctor. And it might be positive and it might be negative or it might be neutral, but it's going to influence you at least subconsciously. So when it comes to typing, just use the numbers and ignore the labels. Number five, skip trying to understand subtypes for now. I get some jaw drops on this, not necessarily pushback. Sometimes it's more of a relief. So it's a jaw drop of relief that they don't have to worry about subtypes. So to define what subtypes are, they're any variation of a core type. And the most popular ones are wings and instincts. And if you think about it, subtype is a variation of a type So if you try to identify with a subtype before you actually know your core type, it's kind of backwards, right? That's kind of a moot point. Um, Wings are a part of your behavioral patterns of a type, but the driving force behind those behaviors are always going to be rooted in your core type. So you got to make sure you know what your core type is first, or you're not going to understand those behaviors well. Instincts, now they can be pretty helpful when it comes to typing, but wait to do that once you've narrowed it down to two types, maybe even three types, because it's always easier to start with fewer categories. So concentrate on finding your core type first, and that'll help you not melt your brain by looking at instincts. Besides, I will say this, subtypes are fluff. That is where I get the the jaw drives. Again, it's more like that sense of relief. These are not categories to identify with, but they're actually used to reveal your blind spots so that when you're in growing mode, you can find these areas of growth. So number six, self-awareness can make it difficult for you to type. Now this sounds counterintuitive. Because shouldn't self-awareness make you more capable of discovering your personality type? Maybe for some tools, but for the Enneagram, it can sometimes be more confusing. Because the Enneagram is basically nine different perspectives 
of the world. And as we mature in our self-awareness, we're able to have a little bit more compassion, a little bit more empathy. We're, we can connect to other people and identify more with them and see the world from their perspective. We walk a mile in their shoes a little bit. And this is such a good thing for personal development, but it can make finding your core type kind of tricky. So keep that in mind. Number seven, your leadership, parenting, teaching, learning, I call these styles, they might overshadow what your true core type is because our style is not necessarily our Enneagram type. Styles are based off of adaptive behaviors from our experiences. For The best way to describe this is, is to give an example. So for me, my core type is seven, but my leadership style is a one and my parenting style is six and my learning style is five and my teaching style fluctuates. It, it really depends on the age group that I'm teaching. So when you're typing yourself on the Enneagram, you really should focus on your natural and default self as opposed to the role that you're playing. Number eight, family, culture, and trauma experiences can mask your true core type. And it could take years to peel back all the layers, especially if you're doing it alone. Your style can be influenced by your type, but it can also be influenced by what Ginger Lapibogda calls overlays. Your family and culture can shape your behaviors, and that might make taking a test difficult as you're trying to figure out what is really you and what is a habit or an indoctrination. And trauma can also form another layer, or several layers actually, that might cause individual behaviors or individual responses. So it's always best to follow the pattern of behaviors and stress and security and then compare that to your core motivations. That way overlays won't throw you off. Number nine, the experience gap. This is another thing I talk about in the secrets to Enneagram typing. The experience gap is a lack of awareness of how we are experienced. So let's, let's take a step back and look at self-awareness. So self-awareness is threefold. There's awareness of yourself, awareness of how you experience other people, and awareness of how others experience you. And sometimes this can create a gap that often leads to mistyping. So if you remember from Jen in the Enneagram, I used to talk about the levels of awareness and describe it as a ladder. And right there in the middle of the ladder was our default behaviors, the average behaviors that are neither healthy or unhealthy. Those behaviors right in the middle of the ladder, those are the behaviors that we show when we aren't thinking about our personality. But others around us are experiencing those behaviors. We're just unaware of them. And this is why getting typed by a qualified coach can really save you so much time in this typing mode, in the typing process. And another thing you can do is ask a trusted friend that knows the Enneagram patterns. And this is the, this is the key point here. We'll be honest with you about unflattering behaviors and are, is willing to call you out. And you're okay with that. Um, that your relationship isn't going to be compromised there. But I think sometimes that's why working with a coach is a little bit better because you don't have, you can be yourself and not really be afraid of that experience gap. 
And then the last one, number 10, triads and stress patterns are more accurate and more reliable to type yourself. I kind of touched on this one already, um, but let me just define what triads are. Triads are a group of three core types on the Enneagram that have commonalities. And the most popular ones are the centers of intelligence triads. And those are based off of your gut, heart, and mind intelligence. But there are other triads. There are some lesser-known triad groups that I personally use in my typing sessions. These are the Hornevian stances, the harmony groups, and the harmonic groups. And you can go learn about these groups if you want to Google them. Um, But in my opinion, these can be considered fluffy for certain personalities and create some overwhelm. I really only teach these groups to my leadership development and business students. And I do it in a very methodical way to avoid overwhelm. Because if you are using the Enneagram in your business Um, As a coach or as a leader, it's good to understand these triad groups. But if you're just wanting to understand your own type, then you don't necessarily need to know the ins and outs of these triad groups. Because once you're typed correctly, you can just go straight into growing mode. And understanding the centers, your motivations, and the stress patterns, that's really all you need to know. Um, And adding some digging as well. So that's all 10 of them. I'm thinking about creating a checklist of maybe just kind of putting these 10 together and turning that into a free download. If you're interested in that, just let me know. You can send me an email or a DM on Instagram or Facebook, and I can put that together and send that to you. Um, I hope this was super helpful. This is a list of all the things that you want to consider before you settle on your Enneagram type. But I do want to stress that, you know, typing mode can be a journey. All these layers that some of us have that we need to peel back. Sometimes we don't even know that layer is there. So it is totally okay to try on a number and observe your stress responses and your motivations for like a week or two and see if you can find the consistencies in your stress patterns with the type that you're testing out. This is part of that digging process and is very necessary in order to unbox yourself and Sometimes we're digging in the wrong box, but we won't know unless we start digging. So choose a number, try it on, open up the box, and see if it's you. That is a completely normal process. And once you find the right box, then you can unbox yourself and then unleash your power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.